everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IJ nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Leah Crumrine, a businesswoman, mother, and wife of IBD warrior Logan Crumrine. Logan has been on the show to share his story with Crohn's disease, but today we get a special interview with his wife, Leah, to hear from her perspective about what it's been like to walk along IBD with her husband. She'll be sharing her experience, insights, and tips for supporting those in your life with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today, Leah, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So normally when we get started, I like to ask my guests about their first experience with IBD and diagnosis, but today I would love for you to share your introduction to IBD with Logan, so the first flare that you experienced with him and what that was like from your perspective. Um, I think from the beginning of the flare, I didn't really know what was happening uh, I'm not sure that he did either, not, at least not to the extent that it would get to. Um, he started with just not feeling well, and then it was not feeling well all the time. And then it was more, there were more symptoms that showed, and he had pain in his body like he hadn't before. Um, and it progressed pretty quickly. Uh, meaning within a year, he had to quit work. Uh, within a year after that, we were um, talking to specialists and trying to find ways for him to feel better. And then we were starting to, we just saw his weight just decline. I mean, he just, he shed more than a hundred pounds in a year. And um, and we got scared. I got scared. I was watching The Man of My Dreams uh, slowly fade away. And I got scared. I realized now that I was in constant fight or flight mode. And uh, that affected our family, our whole family. Um, but it was, it was, I don't know, just never what I thought we would encounter in our life together. Um, but yeah, lots of pain, lots of not feeling good, a lot of symptoms that cropped up that just had not been part of the picture before. And were you familiar with IBD? Did you know that what IBD was and had, did you know that Logan had had IBD or was this the first time you guys had that conversation? It really was kind of the first time. I mean, when we knew of each other in college, I knew that he went through some sort of medical procedure, but we weren't close at that time. Uh, he was just a dude at school that was going through a thing, and we all gathered around him and prayed for him. And then I went on about my life. Uh, it wasn't until a couple of years later that we were together. Um, but even then, I knew he had Crohn's, but I didn't know what IBD was. I didn't know what Crohn's disease is, like what it does in your body um, until until the flare. And even then... I didn't learn about it until we were talking about biologics. And that's when I was like, wait a second, maybe I don't really understand what Crohn's is. And I had to do some learning in the doctor's office. So take me back to that time when you'd mentioned that things got really bad really quickly. And it was within a year that 
things had really started to unravel. So how did your world start to change as as the listeners, if they've gone back or if they've they've been with, if they've heard Logan's story before, if they've been listening to the episodes, they know how bad it got that that flare that started in 2012 essentially lasted for the next 10 years. So not knowing that at the time when it started, how did your world start to change as his symptoms were getting rapidly worse? That's a really good question. Um, our, our roles kind of morphed. Um, and as he was able to do less, I had to do more. We became dependent on my income. Uh, household things like doing the laundry and, uh, you know, scrubbing the floors or whatever, that became something that I had to balance in the the frame of a week, you know, when you do your weekly cleaning, I had to do that as well as work and take care of our boys. So um, I also started driving everywhere. Logan couldn't drive. Uh, if he, if he went anywhere, he didn't drive. Um, and, and I watched him go through the process of being redefined because we had this, we had ideas about what we wanted our life to be like and, and goals where we were headed and different things we wanted to do with the boys and things like that. And uh, when the illness really took hold, my role changed to kind of be the leader uh, and be the, the sole provider. Uh, but I also had to watch him um, be redefined about who he was at the time. And we really had to mourn what we thought our life was going to be. We had to take some time to go, okay, this isn't what we planned on. Uh, but we're together. We love each other. We love our boys. And we had to become open to what the next steps and things would be while still struggling to, um, find care for him that would save his life. Um, so I, yeah, I had to do more uh, as he had to do less. What a process. I mean, you make it, you make it sound so easy in a way. And I know that it was, I know that it was not, but just, you said it beautifully that you guys had to mourn what you thought the expectations that you had in life, but then you were able to just so beautifully adapt to what was in front of you and to take on the new challenges. So I know it was not an easy process, but you said it beautifully. And I don't know if you have any tips on how you mourned that process and and how you got to that place of acceptance and taking on the challenge ahead. We focus a lot on listening to each other and communicating. Like we've talked before, we got to the point where we just decided we need to say words. <laughs> like we needed to express ourselves in words that would help us to understand each other um, and understand how we were going to move forward. And we had to really focus on listening. It was hard and there's no easy way to go through a process like that. But the more we talk to each other and the more we listen to each other, 
it was easier to feel like we were in it together. And not that he was fighting alone or that I was trying to help us survive alone, but that we were doing it together. And through all of the difficulty that we faced, we always had each other. Um, and we fa- we also, um, we have a couple of friends who are really good at guiding people through hard things. And we leaned into our friendships with them to, uh, to just learn from them how to do that best, how to help our kids do that. That's the other piece too. They were, they were little, but they knew something was up. And so, uh, we leaned into some of those friends to help us understand how to talk to them. And, uh, but yeah, going through the morning process, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> So we just, we just started with what we knew and we knew we loved each other. And we just talked about like, what do you need from me in this moment? We would ask questions. What do you need from me in this moment? Uh, Do you need sympathy or solutions? Like what, what can I do to be with you and be helpful to you in this moment? And as our family saw that in us, they started asking those questions as well. And that helped us to let them know what we needed and how they could help. Um, and we shared that struggle with them. You know, we're really mourning here. We just, we don't know what's next. And uh, they really surrounded us and helped us to just feel supported. That's incredible advice. So how did you, as the years, as it turned into years, when this flare started and as time progressed and this turned into years, how did you learn to balance all of the new responsibilities along with the previous responsibilities and just juggling work and family and caregiving role now and bringing all that in? Were you able to find ways to juggle all of that, to find balance? You know, I really didn't balance it well at all in the beginning. Um, I kept Logan and the boys is my top priority. And I didn't do a lot of self-care. Um, I felt like that was okay in the, in the moment because that's what we needed. Um, and that was okay. Then my job at the time in Portland became more demanding. Um, and I just got, and look, as Logan was declining and, um, we moved like you've talked about with Logan in 2014. And I slept 10 hours a night for two weeks (laughs) because I was so exhausted. Um, And after that, after we got settled in Marysville, um, we were still fighting. That was still happening. Um, In about 2015, mid-2015, I started hiking Uh, And it really gave me an opportunity to let my heart breathe. I could just spend a lot of energy climbing up hills and and going down to the water. Um, And it allowed me time to just think and to breathe. And uh, that's when balance started coming back into my life. Um, I also have a good family up there. So I spent some time with my sister 
um, who is my adventure buddy, because when Logan couldn't go on adventures with me, we would go adventure together. And that really helped me to feel more balanced as well, you know, having a good support system and, and taking a little bit of time. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I was taking, you know, a few hours on a Saturday and the rest of the time was with, you know, the boys and with Logan and what we needed to do for him. But even just those couple of hours really started to bring that balance back into, into my life, in my heart, you know, just to be able to take care of myself a little bit. What was it that allowed you to feel okay to finally step away and and go for that hike or to give yourself some self-care? Had Logan stabilized a little bit or was it just the fact that you were around more family and friends who were there to support him, which allowed you to support yourself to get out and to have that, that moment of just kind of mental release and clarity in hiking? Yes, it it really was a combination of uh, he was stabilized enough for me to walk away for a few hours. Um, And at the same time, we had family and friends support to be there for him if he needed anything during that time. Um, One of the things was he, when he finally did get to sleep, he would sleep kind of later into the morning. And uh, that's early morning was when I'd go for my hikes. So, you know, we're strategic about that a little bit, but knowing that someone was there, if he needed something that the boys were taken care of on a Saturday morning, you know, they could go watch cartoons and have Cheerios with grandma and papa if they wanted to, um, that made it easier to do that as well. What kind of advice would you give to others who are maybe in the moment struggling, trying to find that balance for themselves of juggling the daily responsibilities, but also juggling whoever it is in their life that has IBD that they're also trying to take care of? I would say uh, prioritize balance as soon as you can. Uh, Reach out to resources. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has great resources for, uh, for caregivers. Um, some are online, some are in person, but there's some really great resources there to start with. If you find yourself in a place where you don't have like family or friends support or you're reaching out for that, um, there are ways to find that. So find, so make, make balance a priority early as early as you can and reach out for resources because there are people out in the world that are going through similar to what you're going through. Of course, every IBD patient story is unique, but as caregivers, we all want the same thing. We want our person to be well. And so that commonality makes it easier to share maybe things, details with other people going through the same thing that my sister wouldn't understand. Um, And it just, it gives you that commonality that helps you to know that you're not in it alone completely. That's great advice. So you mentioned earlier, you'd started to talk about how important communication was between you and Logan. Talk to me about how that, how important it was to keep that communication open throughout the entire journey of this flare that turned into a decade-long flare, and even now, after, now that you're in remission, talk about the importance of communication throughout that whole process. 
I don't think it can be underscored enough. I think it was paramount in us getting through it. Out of all the things that we were losing, we didn't want to lose each other. And uh, we had to go through the work of figuring out how to do it. We were still young enough in our marriage that we were pretty good at communicating. We still really like each other and we are good friends. You know, he's my best friend. But going through something so severe really causes a person, at least for us, it caused us to kind of um, close off and not communicate for a while. Like I didn't want to tell him how difficult it was to balance everything because he was going through enough. He didn't want to tell me exactly how bad he was feeling because he knew I was going through enough. And we soon realized we wanted to tell each other those things because we, because he's my best friend. I'm his best friend. Like you want to share that kind of stuff with your person. And so we had to go through figuring out how to communicate, how to ask good questions, how to listen well. Um, but the importance, my goodness, I don't think that can be uh, stressed enough. It is vital to, for us, our mental health, for us to be able to share things with each other. Um, and sometimes you know, you say things that are hard to hear and sometimes it turns into a joke and you belly laugh until you're falling out of your chair. But, uh, but just again, saying words, say even saying, I don't really know how to express this, or I would love to hear from you what you think about this or, um, how, again, how can I be helpful to you right now? What do you need in the moment? Do you need solutions or sympathy? That, just that question, do you need solutions or sympathy? Cut out a whole lot of BS <laughs> that would lead to the thing that one of us needed. And so we got really good at asking that question, knowing that it wasn't just, okay, so what do you need from me? It really was to the heart of, how can I help you best in this moment and not taking 10 minutes to get there? Um, so yeah, communicating, talking, say words, love each other with words. You know, you can hold somebody's hand or put your arm around them. But when you say things like, I really appreciated it when you did fill in the blank, or I saw you reading books with the boys. It was so great to see you be able to do that. Um, and just saying things to each other to help us understand how we were doing and how we're feeling through the day just really helped us truly to get through it uh, still intact with our relationship together. Yeah, that's incredible advice. How did you learn to ask the good questions, like the questions that were beneficial, that helped, like you said, that saved the 10, 20 minutes of, of trying to get to the, the answer you were looking for? <laughs> uh, by asking bad questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, what do you need is different than how can I help you in this moment? Um, and so uh, we also have always been honest with each other, always. So if I asked a terrible question, <laughs> he would say, that's really not what I need to hear right now. Okay. Yeah, I can learn from that and ask a different question. Or I would just say, 
what question, like what is helpful to you in this situation? For example, in the rare moments he would be able to go out in public, if he had a Crohn's situation and he needed to uh, take care of things, get cleaned up or change or whatever. Um, I didn't know how to ask good questions. Knocking on the door at a public restroom and saying, honey, are you all right? It's not a good question to ask and not a good way to provide support. Um, but we had to kind of go through some of those awkward moments to go, yeah, that didn't go so well, did it? No, <laughs> but we were always honest with each other. It was always, that's, that's a really great question. Uh, or I'm really proud of you for being able to work through that moment of anxiety or whatever it was. And just being able to be honest with each other and ask dumb questions. Dumb questions got us to good <laughs> questions. <laughs> I love that. That is incredible advice. And I just, I love the trial and error aspect of it, but just being willing to ask the questions and know maybe this is good, maybe this is a good question, maybe it's a bad question, but you're willing to take that risk to find out if it's the right question and to go through that process so that you could continue to move forward overall. Yeah, my goodness, don't we all just have the goal of helping our person? Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I love it. So let's switch gears, and I want to talk about food for a minute, because as a mother, I'm sure you have prepared many meals for your family, for your children. So how did you handle food and family meal planning? Because we, with IBD, we know that food is so different for every individual person, and it can really affect, it's very, it can be very different from what the rest of the family is eating. So how did you manage meal planning throughout the years? that Logan was flaring and even now into remission, were you able to make changes as a whole family? Uh, for a while, we tried to buy for two menus uh, because we wanted Logan to have what he needed, what he could eat. Um, that's expensive. So <laughs> we decided if it's healthy for dad, it's healthy for us. And we invited our boys to just kind of think through it. How can we, you know, make good decisions with our food and still have yummy food. Um, and throughout the whole time, we were so impressed by our boys' capacity for compassion because they would say things like, well, if it's healthy for dad, it's healthy for us, right? Yeah. Well, then let's do that. Let's not make it complicated. Uh, so we So we did that. There was a time where he hardly ate anything and uh, he ate what sounded good to him. There was, we have uh, the Arby's era <laughs> in the flare because there was nothing else that sounded good. And they always made the sandwich at this one restaurant exactly the way he needed it to be. They knew us. They knew if we ordered X, Y, and Z, it was our van that would be coming through the line. Um, they were great. But there was a time when 
he was very limited on what he could eat. And we kind of did some other, the three of us, we did some other meals that we thought would be fun, you know, getting them in the kitchen and cooking. Um, it really helped to bring some normalcy to their world, uh, to really invite them into the kitchen and have some fun, learn how to make uh, pizza at home from scratch and, you know, just other things. We really tried to have a good time with it uh, in the midst of the hard stuff. Um, but overall, when he started to stabilize, we went back to one menu. I mean, it just, it made the most sense. And again, our boys' capacity for flexibility and compassion just have impressed us for years. They've just been fantastic about it. And it really, like I say, it just helped us to find some normalcy in the midst of it. I love that. And your boys were young when Logan first entered into this this years-long flare. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like communicating with your boys as they were growing up, as they were getting older. How much did you decide to share with them or not share with them? What was that like? Um, it was really clear that they knew their dad didn't feel good. Um, and so they were obviously concerned. They wanted to know what was going on and was dad going to be okay. And we never, ever lied to them, but we were very measured in our responses because uh, Nolan was in third grade. Kevin was in fifth grade when we moved. So they were younger than that when he went into flair. And um yeah, second grade and fourth grade. So like seven and nine. And so you have to be careful how you explain things to little ones. And we leaned into one of our friends who is a uh, child play therapist, and she helped us really understand age appropriate answers to questions that were that had hard answers. Um, and we just we really tried to impress upon them that mom and dad love each other. There's nothing wrong with mom and dad loving each other, but dad's not feeling good. And we've got to help get him taken care of. Um, again, their capacity for flexibility and compassion just have been amazing. Um, but it was in those early days that we realized that we would be impressed by their compassion and flexibility. Um, but we were careful. It wasn't until they were, oh my gosh, not until they were both in high school, I think, before we said, yeah, so it really was terrible. And we, <laughs> like, we were making plans for mom to be a single mom. And uh, it was like, all of the little dim light bulbs of um, understanding it all along the way fully turned on. They were like, oh, that's why we did this. That's why we moved in with grandma and papa. That's why this happened. That's, that's what all the hospital visits were about. That's, you know, it just really kind of clicked off to them. And we spent a little time reflecting with them. What do you remember from this time? It was really important to us, like I said, for them to understand that mom and dad always loved each other and we always loved them. And um, 
So yeah, we would kind of stair step it, but really at the young age, we really kept it measured and age appropriate. I, I think that's important for little kiddos to just to have parents that are honest, but also protect them from hard things when, gosh, their little minds and hearts aren't ready for big hard things. Yeah. Our grown-up hearts and minds aren't ready for big, hard things. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I love I, I love that process. I mean, just hearing about how you were able to both inform them but and protect them because it sounds like they really were able to thrive in those years and really develop and show such a compassionate side that they have. And, and then as they got older, to really have that full understanding of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back on these past, I think it is about 10 years that this whole flare had been, this nonstop flare. Looking back, is there any advice that you would have given to yourself 10 years ago at the onset of Logan's flare that would have prepared you for all of these years ahead? Yes. A few things come to mind. Learn all you can as early as you can with the framework of IBD patients' experiences are all unique, Um, but learn as much as you can. Um, Make a flare plan. Uh, Understand what doctors you can see, what your insurance requires for specialty care, what your pharmacy requires for specialty prescriptions, um, and what your support is. Again, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation website, fantastic with uh, resources and things that are available to people. If you are a person of faith, lean into your faith group. If you are family-oriented, lean into your family. Uh, But make a plan and understand uh, what's needed for those different things should a flare happen. Uh, the best plan is the one that you'd never have to use, but when you need it, uh, when it's there, it becomes a tool instead of um, a life raft. Um, and then get an advanced directive before you need it. Who wants to think about what to do if your loved one is incapacitated as a result of a procedure? Um, it's worse to have to go through that in the moment. So having an advanced directive, understanding what it is and what it does, uh, what it takes in your state to become a valid legal document. Um, and uh, it's, again, part of your flare plan. Uh, should something happen, this is what, uh, this is what the plan is. Um, it's easier to think about those things before you need them. So true. And that is incredible advice. So having gone through everything you have with all these years, with the knowledge that you've gained, do you have any tips or lessons on managing those day-to-day flare-ups? I think it's uh, important to understand the trends of uh, your person's uh, disease, their illness. Um, And you can do that by using a, I used a planner And when he started talking about, man, today's a good day, I would kind of make a little tick on the calendar. Okay, today's a good day. And I was able to kind of see when we were having more bad days than good days in a week. 
And over time, how that trended to more good days than bad days in a week. Did I say that correctly? That makes sense. Yep. Going from more bad days than good days to more good days than bad days. Um, So when he would kind of spike a little flare, we kind of understood how that related to kind of the trend of good days and bad days. But also that would trigger me to kind of keep a little bit of a running um, symptom list just to kind of keep track because you don't know, we didn't know in 2012 that it would end up this massive flare. So I would just kind of watch that a little bit as he kind of would go through that ebb and flow to, to see whether it was trending terrible or whether it was just a little blip uh, as we kind of were going through, I don't know, a busy season at school or whatever. Um, for him, sometimes he would kind of flare a little bit if things got a little bit uh, busy and, and worky with the boys' schedules and my work schedule and things. It would kind of cause him to be a little more symptomatic. Um, but now we know that, that it was more of when we were super busy and a lot of things were going on. So then we could plan for the next busy season and make good decisions about everything, about travel, um, events, meals, all of it. We could really kind of make a plan for that season. So that really helped us um, as we went through all of the little ups and downs. You mentioned the planner being able to track that, some of those things. What were all of the different things that you tracked in that planner? I would track um, his sometimes his symptoms, uh, quite a bit his symptoms through the worst of it. I would also open to the day in the planner uh, if I was at an appointment, and that's where I would put my notes for the appointment. If he had a medication change, uh, I would write down on the date what was changing. For a while, he had infusions, so I would keep track of his vitals during infusion. um, And that would just give me information so that if he reacted at home, I would have that information to give people. Um, I also was able to keep a list, a full list of his medications, but also contact information for his doctor's um, future appointments I would put on the calendar, uh, for those future appointments and, um, yeah, notes from, from doctor's appointments, I think was the, the biggest thing because then when we were sitting in the doctor with this, with the planner that had all this information in it and he'd say, so how have you been over the last, you know, two months? we could kind of take a look back through the calendar and say, oh, there, here was this big thing that happened or it's been starting to get steady and really uh, not be so acute. Um, And that also seeing those trends, talking with the doctor, taking notes all in the same thing helped us to really gain confidence when the good days were outnumbering the bad days, we started to gain confidence that it could actually be headed in that direction. I'm so (laughs) data-driven, so I needed to be able to take off the good days and the bad days and see the trend um, 
but it also just really helped us to inform the doctor when he was asking questions because uh, a lot of times Logan just, he was in the thick of it so much that sometimes he just didn't know how to answer that question. And so as a caregiver, I was able to say, here's the trend that we're seeing over the last couple of months. And that just really helped to help the doctor decide, okay, what's next? Or, you know, it's real, we're still declining. He's lost 10 more pounds or whatever it was. It just really helped us to have that conversation with the doctor um, to who was making decisions about his care. What a valuable tool. And to just have all of that information in one, one spot, easy to get to easy to reference. (laughs) Yes, definitely. I love it. So I want to talk a little bit about advocacy and sharing Logan's journey and and now sharing your side of of this story. So when Logan first started sharing his journey through social media and on podcasts, did you see any changes in him? And was it therapeutic from your perspective? I think it was therapeutic for him. He had the opportunity to tell his story. And to share, um, to share with people so that they would know they weren't alone. And that's really been a lot of his focus, just letting people know they're not alone and advocating for, uh, you know, cutting edge research and just wanting people to understand even a little bit more about what it means to be in a study. Um, we were in a study for a time. And uh, the results were entirely too good, so they stopped the they stopped the study. Um, and I think you talked to him about that on one of the podcasts. Um, but when they asked us to do the study, we had to really think about it. And he just looked at me and he said, "If me doing this study helps them come to a place where they understand the disease better and it can make somebody else's life better." We have to do it. And so in advocating, in kind of becoming more public about his experience, he was able to make that part of it as well. And just to, you know, let people know, do a study if you can do a study. A lot of it came from um, uh, one-on-one messages or conversations he would have with people. Um, But just becoming public about his experience gave him some confidence then to even really have conversations with people. He is quite an introvert, introvert. So having conversations with strangers is not his favorite thing. Uh, But uh, being able to talk to somebody else, another crony or someone else like that, that uh, he can be helpful to that was his goal. Um, So yeah, just really seeing him kind of light up a little bit, being able to do that. How wonderful. And I know it's so important. I know I've I've loved being able to hear other people's stories, even early on in my journey. I just I wanted to know that I wasn't alone, even though my journey wasn't exactly like somebody else's journey. It really made all the difference to me to just know I'm not the only one going through this because it is such a can be such an isolating disease. And not enough people yeah. were talking about it early on when I was diagnosed. People are still not talking about it enough. So the more people that can talk about it and the more that we can not feel alone is better. So absolutely. 
grateful that he's been sharing his story and that he finally prompted you to share your side of the story, <laughs> the other half. So so you are really just getting into the advocacy scene and and sharing what it's like from a caregiver perspective. But what kind of support system did you have throughout all of these years? Did you have a support system with other spouses or family or friends that were able to help, that were able to be your shoulder to lean on throughout these years? Yes. Uh, In Portland, we have uh, a couple of friends, one family who the husband uh, is a colitis patient and another family who's at the time, teenage son was just starting. He had just been diagnosed. It took, again, entirely too long to come to the right uh, diagnosis for him. And uh, he was really struggling. And it was nice in those moments at the beginning for our, you know, my friend to come put her arm around me and say, I know that things are changing for you. And I understand what that means. Um, I, sh- I just want you to know you're not alone. Uh, and that that really meant a lot. We could have meals together and understand the different restrictions we had uh, in our separate families and come together. And there were no questions about it. Like it was just that we had a non-dairy option and we didn't have a lot of spice. And, you know, we just, we had some fresh fruit and, and, you know, it just, it was nice to be able to have meals together and not feel like you have to explain everything. And it really, um, allowed for a moment of pause for all of us just to be with each other and just uh, have conversations about also not talk about the disease, <laughs> like not to have that be the main topic, but to be able to talk about other things. Um, and then when we moved north to Washington, we had so much family. <laughs> and of course, I think there was a little bit of a learning curve for them. Like we would have to go ahead and explain separate things, different things. And uh, after everybody learned, you know, what it was and what they could do to help, then it became kind of normalized. I mean, at the beginning, before he stabilized, there was a lot of uh, survival mode still. Uh, But once he kind of stabilized, it became easier just to be at family functions. Or if he left to go home early, nobody questioned it. Like it, it just was okay. Um, and it was nice to be comfortable in those situations. Also for him to say, honey, I'm going home and I'll see you later. And for me to be able to then also stay and just be with my family or his family and, um, and just visit that, uh, offered some balance, like we were talking about early earlier as well. So does that answer your question? I think I kind of rabbit trailed a little bit. It does. And (laughs) perfectly. And I think every IBD patient that I've spoken to has really emphasized how important community is from the patient side to be able to share our stories. But I think that community, just as you're talking about, is just as important on the caregiver side to have that community that you can talk about IBD or not talk about IBD with and and have have something more another shoulder to lean on and to share with so yes I think absolutely so important so as we get ready to wrap up what is the final message or piece of advice that you would like to share with 
with listeners, either to those who have IBD or those who are learning more about IBD because of someone in their life? I think I would just encourage patients, caregivers, loved ones to learn as much as you can. Um, it's, it's so important to understand what IBD is, but also what it's not. Um, and to advocate for each other. Um, and I think the greatest lesson that we've learned is about having a plan, understanding, um, understanding who we could see and, you know, what it would take to get care. I think if we could go back and do it all over again, that's one thing that we would definitely do. Um, but just learn, learn, be open to, be open to those moments when the crony needs to go home, right? That it's not a personal thing. It's just that They've used up all their spoons. Their battery is empty. They got nothing left in the tank and they need to go home. <laughs> um, that just gives that the patient the opportunity to be who they are and not apologize for it. Um, because it is kind of an invisible disease. And so judgment comes. Uh, from people who think you shouldn't be parking in the handicapped spot enough. So when we're with family and when we're, you know, sitting with friends or doing whatever, and your, your loved one needs to leave, it just needs to be okay. You know, like just be the type of family or friend for them that says, okay, see you later, you know, and just loves on them. I think that's really important. Uh, but yeah, learn all you can, make a plan, uh, and just love the person in your life. Let them know that and uh, let them know you're there for them. That is a great message. So if people want to follow Logan's journey or reach out to you, Leah, where can they find or follow you and or Logan online? Um, I'm on Instagram as trailmama one um, I don't know if I'll change that soon. I haven't been able to get on a trail in a while and now we're in Texas, so we'll see. But, uh, it's trail mama one is, uh, my name on Instagram. His is, I believe the crony dad. And I think he's just at Logan Crumrine. I think he's yes. shortened it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. At Logan Crumrine. Yeah. You mentioned Trail Mama One, how uh, how has it been like? I know from watching Logan's social media that he's actually been able to join you on your trails and in the hikes. So before we wrap up, talk to me a little bit about that, about just that journey almost coming, would it be full circle of coming back back to health and finally having him on the trail with you? Yes. Oh my gosh. So when I started hiking, I did it for me, for balance, all of that good stuff for, for my heart, but it was not terribly long into solo hiking that I just wished he was next to me to go and see the views and to enjoy the nature, to touch some trees. And, uh, and I just missed him when he stabilized and really started getting better. Uh, I remember him saying, I think I could go hiking with you. 
And I just fell apart. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this day. (laughs) So we've been able, before we moved out of Washington, we were able to hit some trails together and just go enjoy nature together. Um, And I just felt like, oh my gosh, you've always been my best friend, but now you get to be my adventure buddy too. So uh, we've had a lot of fun just kind of rediscovering that. We've been able to take some road trips even and see some fun si- some fun sites to see together. And uh, it's been wonderful. I just feel like I get to, you know, share my life and what I enjoy with him. And it's been great. It's really been great. Um, and again, I, I look forward to it adventuring through some of Texas to see what Texas has to offer. Uh, I, I know there's some greenery around here somewhere. We'll find it. And, uh, but it's exciting to know that he can go and do those things with me. We also take those moments when we can, because with Crohn's and colitis, uh, there's no guarantee right? That it's a forever remission. And so we uh, use the time that we do have when we do feel well uh, to to get out and do the things we want to do together. So even just around our neighborhood, we've gone on walks and things. We just don't want to uh, miss the opportunity and then wish we had. So we really focus on being with each other and doing fun things together and uh, not with like trepidation that eventually it's going to get bad. Just like, we just don't want to waste the time. We just really want to make sure that we use our time together and do fun things and laugh and, and go adventure when we can. I love that. And it was so heartwarming. I know when I started to see Logan posting on his social media that he was focusing more on fitness and he was able to get up and walk. And I just remember from him sharing his story that it started small. I mean, it was just, he mentioned it was walking around the little cul-de-sac for a a couple minutes and and to see that progress far enough to, he's hiking four miles with you and (laughs) going on all new adventures. So it's, it's incredible to see that journey to where you guys are today after the last 10 years or so of what, what you've been through. Yeah, it's really been great. I think I, my last, so my last podcast with Logan was really about like this whole new journey into remission and he shared it from his side, but I I haven't really asked you yet. What is remission looking like from your side? How are you stepping into this new territory and taking, taking on this new day? Wow, what a great question. I feel like the sun shines every day. You know, I just, I feel like we have an opportunity to do some of the things we've been dreaming of, some of the things we mourned at the beginning of the flare. Um, Some things, the way they've turned out have been great. You know, we keep them. But some of those things that we mourned, like traveling, like hiking together, like going on adventures with the boys, um, we've been able to to see those things come back. And it's really been wonderful. Um, The Christmas after our son enlisted, he was able to to come home. He had a two-week leave at Christmas time. 
And we went for our very first family vacation um, to Disneyland. And we just had an absolute blast. Um, and, and it was one of those moments where we're like, we've got to do it now. The kid, you know, the boys are young enough. We're still young enough. Uh, and, and he was feeling well enough to even think about walking into Disneyland and being there. And, uh, we just felt like we got some of our life back to be able to, to go and do that. Personally, I just, I feel like I am the most fortunate woman in the world that my best friend is still with me, that we get to continue to grow old together and love each other. Um, because for a time that was in question and it's not in this moment. And so we live like it's not right. We just really try to live as fully as we can. And I also feel like I have opportunity to do some things for myself that I want to do. I'm not as, um, I don't have to be so dedicated to him and how he's feeling. I can just be like, Hey, some of the girls asked me to go out. I'm going to go out. And it's not a big deal. Like it's yeah. See you later. Better you than me. (laughs) I'll watch a movie. I'm fine at home. So, um, so I get to go do some of those things that are, are really fun too. Before we moved out of Washington and came to Texas, I was able to take some trips with my sister and mom and aunt to just go have some fun and to go do some hiking and and uh, do that together. So it's been great. It's been nice to see some of that balance come back. I love that. I think Logan's journey and just the story of the two of you hits me on so many emotional levels because I think it's just... It's just such a story of hope and perseverance. And I know that so many people with IBD, there's a lot more people sharing their stories on social media these days. Still not enough, but there are a lot of people sharing. And so many people have dark moments and it's this disease can look so despairing at times. And I just I love your the journey of the two of you that Logan has overcome so much and you've been with him right by his side, and you guys are in this beautiful place of remission and a whole new life again. And it's just, I think if nothing gives greater hope than this outcome of the story, (laughs) I just, I remember from that first conversation I had with Logan and to see where you guys are today, it is the epitome of hope. And I absolutely love it. And I carry you guys with me Every day, I probably think about you and Logan. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh, that's so kind. Thank you. And I think a lot of other people will will resonate with it and hopefully pull that same hope from from your stories. Oh, absolutely. I hope so too. And you know, if people do want to reach out, I'm happy to I'm happy to talk to folks if they've got questions or uh, just need a little support. I'm happy to do that. I love it. Thank you. So as we wrap up, is there anything, I know we covered a lot, is there anything that (laughs) that I didn't ask that you wanted to share with the audience today? I don't think so. I think we've really uh, covered quite a bit, like you say. Um, Just keep learning, keep loving each other, uh, keep 
uh, asking bad questions that get you to the good questions. Uh, Keep talking to each other. Yeah. I love that. I think that's my favorite advice. Keep asking the bad questions to get you to the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your experience and showing us this side of IBD and what it's like to have to walk alongside someone you love with IBD. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me A Coffee link to send a little love or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.